It sure is good to be in the Lord's house tonight, and um, I, uh, if you have God's Word, if you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 25, Isaiah chapter 25. This is a great passage of Scripture. Uh, if you've been reading along with us as we've been studying in, in uh, the book of Isaiah, you know the first part God charges His people with. Uh, he tells them, though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. God promises grace if they will turn back to Him. But it's quite obvious from the prophet Isaiah uh, that they are not going to turn back to the Lord. And so God begins to pronounce judgment, not only on the people of Israel, but also the nation's. Uh, surrounding them, uh, and there's a lot of bad news, but in this particular chapter, we're going to get to see some good news. So look at Isaiah chapter 25. I'll begin reading in verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people and take away, and he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited on Him that He might save us. This is the Lord our God. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? You know, we marvel at people today that have a plan for success but we probably marvel more at those who set successfully uh, implement their plans. And we can see what they've done. Well, the Bible teaches us <clears throat> that God has a plan. God's always had a plan. Notice God's plans are from old. He is the one who has the power 
to formulate a plan, to implement a plan, and to see it come to pass. So what is God's plan? Well, God's plan is to redeem a people for himself. A people from every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. How will this take place? Well, it will take place through personal salvation from the power and the penalty of sin. This salvation is found in Christ alone. Isaiah emphasized this truth, even as he anticipated the destruction of death and the celebration of the Lord before the Lord's throne. If you go back and you look at, or actually beginning in Isaiah chapter 24 and going all the way through Isaiah chapter 27, God describes judgment of individual nations. And once he finishes focusing on the judgment, he moves to a universal reckoning that will come sometime in the distant future. How would God's people respond to the judgment that would literally impact the entire world? That's what Isaiah 25 tells us. Isaiah 25 serves as a message of comfort and hope to all peoples as they face turbulent, turbulent times. We all face turbulent times today, don't we? Our world's in a mess. And it's getting in a bigger mess every day. But guys, we can find hope even in the midst of all that's going on in our world today. That's what Isaiah in this passage wants us to understand. Notice what he says here. Beginning in verse 1, he says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. Those who declare the Lord is my God, those who have a personal knowledge of who the Lord really is, those who claim God is their very own, they can rejoice even in the midst of difficult times. The reason why is because of what we read in the second half of that verse. It says, For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. Guys, God has planned the outcome of this world long ago. In fact, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter tells us Jesus uh, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. What was Peter trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us that God had a plan, the plan of salvation already worked out long before He ever created the first human being, long before He set the foundations of the world in place. Is that not amazing to you? It's always been amazing to me that God loved us enough that before any of us were ever created, and we know that God knows all things past, present, and future equally as well. So God knew that when He created mankind that we would sin against God. 
And yet God formulated a plan before the foundation of the world that the Lord Jesus Christ would come at the right time. In God's plan, the Lord Jesus Christ would come and He would institute God's plan of salvation through Himself. That's what we've been talking about in our Sunday school class the last couple of Sundays. Jesus Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Again, that just absolutely blows my mind. God, knowing how sinful I would be, sent Jesus to die for, already had determined that Jesus would come to die for me long before this world was ever set in place. Does that not just blow your mind that God would do something like that? That God would love us that much? Look what it says in Isaiah 46.10. God says this, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are yet not done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Listen to what Psalm 33.10 tells us, 10 and 11. The Lord brings counsel of nations to nothing. You know all the plans that our government's making right now? Do you know God can bring all of those plans to nothing? That's what He says here. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. And His plans to all generations. Let me just say a word to you guys today. Don't be fearful of what you see going on today. Oh, we may all face persecution. We, Danny was talking about that last night, about what's going on in Canada right now, and he can tell you more about it than I can because I haven't seen the report. But there are people that are being put in jail because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that may happen here. In fact, if, if some people that kind of have their way right now get their way, that's exactly what they would like to see happen. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. If they come and arrest me, would, I, I hope somebody will come see me in prison. And Carolyn, if you'd bring me a peach pie every once in a while, I would greatly appreciate it. But, but guys, there is no other God. And God's plans, look what it says here. His plans formed of old are faithful and sure. That means they will most certainly come to pass. It does not matter what the nations say. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they try to, try to accomplish. They were not able to keep Jesus in the grave. He rose again. He lives victorious. Because of what Jesus did, you and I have everlasting life. And we will experience resurrection life in the time to come. But God's plans and His foundations are sure. Boy, I could preach a long time right there. Notice in verse 2, he begins to talk about the city that the Lord would make into a heap. That city that he's talking about there goes back to Isaiah 24.10 where God talks about the city of chaos. And it's not, Isaiah is not talking about a specific city, but it's a metaphor that represents the strongholds of wickedness. It's a metaphor to represent all these people who set themselves up against God and think, they built this great wall around themselves and God can't do anything about it. For you have made the city a heap, <laughs> the fortified city a ruin. 
The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Guys, God is able to break down the walls of the hardest heart, is He not? God can accomplish His purposes in us. And these people who set themselves up and think they're stronger than God, is it not laughable that they would have that kind of idea that they could stand strong against Almighty God, the one who created the heavens and the earth? God is going to bring the city of chaos to ruins. Notice in verse 3, he says, Therefore strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. Isaiah described the salvation of the nations known as the Gentiles in the New Testament. Paul's part of the Lord's plan formed long ago was that he would save a people for himself, as I mentioned earlier. God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. And in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. How were all the nations of the earth blessed through Abraham and his descendants? It is because the Lord Jesus Christ is a descendant of Abraham. And the way the nations are blessed is through the sacrificial life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way that God is going to choose for himself a people. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, 8, Paul says this, The Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All nations will be blessed by you. Isaiah wants us to understand that these people who are ruthless, these strong peoples that think God can't break down their walls, some of them are going to come to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And those who were one time ruthless will bring praise and glory and honor to Christ. Have you not seen people like that? Have you not seen people who were just, I mean, out and outright atheists that just absolutely despised and hated God and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit got a hold of them and they got gloriously saved? Have you not seen that happen? I have. It's a great thing. And these strong peoples that think that God can't get through to them don't know the power of the living God. You and I need to pray for them. We need to pray for the salvation of God. We need to pray for God's reign to be uh, throughout this earth and over every person on this planet. In contrast to those great nations who would Literally, as it says here, fear the Lord. For those who do not put their faith and trust in, in Christ, there will come a day when they literally will fear the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says over in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, it says this, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? Verse 16. 
those people who continue to hate God, those people who continue to despise God, those people who continue to try to attack God and to attack God's people, one of these days when they see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, they literally are going to cry out for the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from the wrath that's going to be poured out on them on that great day. Guys, make no mistake about it. The wicked will not win. They absolutely will not win. That's what they want to do. They want to destroy Christianity. They want to destroy Christ. They always have. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to, pers- if they're going to persecute you. Satan has not changed his tactics. He still absolutely hates Christ. He hates God. He wants to destroy God. He wants to destroy God's bride, the, the New Testament church. Do you know the only organization that we have a promise from God Himself that's going to be standing on this earth when Jesus comes back is the New Testament church. That ought to bring us great joy, shouldn't it? Because the church of the living God will be here. Jesus is coming to get His bride, the church. And so we can be excited about that. But make no mistake about it, the wicked are literally going to try to Hide from the Lord on that great and awesome day when Jesus Christ comes back. Look at verses 4 and 5. In contrast to those ruthless peoples that try to destroy, that think they have this stronghold built around them, and who will eventually have, as God says, that city of chaos will be brought to great ruin. But listen to what it says here in verse 4 and 5. For you have been a stronghold to the poor. A stronghold to the needy in his distress. A shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue those, the noise of the foreigners, as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down. Guys, those of us who are poor, and I don't think he's talking about poor materially, He's talking about those who are poor in spirit. You remember Jesus? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you and I come to the point, the end of ourselves, and we realize our need for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we put our faith and trust in Him, God is the defender of our cause. Really, He's the defender of His cause. We just are part of that cause. But the Lord is our defender. Now, that doesn't mean He's going to protect us from harm, all harm. We live in a world that's Uh, uh, infected by evil and sometimes you and I we get infected by it sometimes we suffer the consequences not of our evil but the evil of others and the evil of the world and the environment in which we find ourselves in but God is a stronghold in our day of trouble God is a stronghold he is a shelter from the storms of life you found yourself in the storms lately The phone call comes and you hear what's on the end of the other line. The death of a loved one. Somebody just found out they've got cancer or maybe you just found out you've got cancer. Storms come in all different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? But the Lord is a shelter for us. Notice God didn't say He was going to take us out of the storms. God says He is going to be our shelter in the storms. I'm so thankful. Even at the heat 
of those people that try to do us harm and wickedness, God is a shade for us, no matter what we go through. Well, look, look and see uh, in verses 6 through 8. Notice what it says here. On this mountain, he's talking about Mount Zion. It's talking about the city of our God. Mount Zion, even though Jerusalem was on Mount Zion, Mount Zion is called the city of God in the Bible. It's referring to the heavenly Mount Zion, not the earthly Mount Zion. So on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow and aged wine well-refined. He will swallow up on the mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and He will wipe away all the tears from all faces and the reproach from His people He will take away from all the earth the feast mentioned here is the marriage supper of the Lamb that's talked about in Revelation 19. This is what it says. I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife had made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, and this is the angel talking to John, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, that's the angel says to John, These things are true sayings of God. Guys, you and I are going to get to be there. Isn't that great? Notice we're going to be dressed in robes of righteousness, not our own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that we have because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Notice it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to celebrate His bride. Who's the bride? Who's the bride in the Bible? It's the church. That's what's so exciting, guys. The Lord is going to, to invite us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not only that, but God is going to take away this great veil that hangs over all of us. He's going to destroy death. You know, one of the great issues that we face in our, de in our time today is death. One out of every one person dies. 100% of the people die, every one of us, at some time or another, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. At that point, He's going to destroy death, and we won't have to worry about it anymore. But up right now, you know, why are all these cosmetic things on television? Why do every time I open Facebook, I see 1,400 different exercise machines? Y'all ever have that problem? I mean, y'all, y'all. I mean, every time you turn the TV on, somebody's exercising, or they're on a diet, or they're they're making their face up so they look younger. And and if you'll take this supplement, you'll be younger. And if you do this, you'll be younger. Everybody's trying to hang on to life right now, right? But guess what? Every one of us is going to die. I don't care what you do or what you don't do. I saw a cartoon today of peanut cartoon and 
Lucy was looking up at Snoopy, who was laying on his doghouse, and he says, you've gotten fat and sloppy, and if something ever happened, if there was ever a crisis on this earth, you wouldn't be able to deal with it. Snoopy thought to himself, well, i got two choices. I can either get up and exercise and get in better shape, or hope there's never a crisis. And on his next, the next uh, frame of the cartoon, it says, I hope, I hope, I hope we never have a crisis. Some of us can relate to that, can't we? Isn't it good to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to deal with this thing called death? He will literally destroy death. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 tells us death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah, we have a God who is going to deal with the death problem once and for all. Uh, well, I could preach two or three sermons right there, but let me move on. In verses 9 and 10, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We've waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord we have waited for. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Let me just encourage you with these words. No matter what you face on this earth, no matter what you face physically, no matter what you face emotionally, no matter what you face spiritually, one day the Lord is going to look at you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and enjoy all that my hand has prepared for you. Reminds me of John chapter 14. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. On that great day, it will be a time of great rejoicing. And when people rejoice, they usually sing, don't they? It'll be a great time of singing. Well, this passage helps us to understand several things about God. First, God's salvation is assured because of God's eternal plan. A plan that He implemented even before this world was put into existence. Secondly, God's peace is enjoyed by all those who trust in Him. Even those who find themselves in the midst of the storm because they know God is their shelter. God is their stronghold. Thirdly, God's people will one day enjoy abundance in His presence for all eternity. And another lesson that's hinted at but not explicitly stated. God wants people from every kindred and every tribe and every tongue to be a part of His kingdom. In fact, God does not want any to perish but all to have repentance. So what do you and I need to do to share this message, this great message of salvation in, in Isaiah 25.1? What do we need to do to help others around us come to know God? God is faithful. His plans cannot be thwarted. God will accomplish what He intends to accomplish. Reminds me of a song when I think about God's faithfulness, 
and Adam and I worked on this this afternoon. It's a pretty hard song to play on the guitar, but we're going to have a good time with it anyway. Even if I don't play it right, we're going to have a good time. How many of y'all know the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Why don't we sing that together? Stand with me let's sing together. Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee, and Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever Great is thy faithfulness, and great is thy faithfulness. More 